Well, thank God for the power of God like that. Like that said. I appreciate God's power. It takes you beyond the natural. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad that the natural doesn't have the last word, aren't you? Yes. We have, we've been ministering the last couple of weeks on victory over the flesh. And uh, we'll have you turn again to the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. Galatians chapter 5. And we'll, uh, we'll pray here. Release our faith. Would you do that with me? We'll believe that uh, what's needful for tonight will be spoken and that what will help people will help them. Glory to God. Father, thank you tonight that as we prepare uh, our hearts to receive and have prepared our hearts, thank you, Father, for impartations of truth. Thank you for light from the Word. Thank you for all the good things that you are and all the good things that you do. Thank you for delivering them to us. Thank you for increasing us, enhancing us, giving us understanding in ways we didn't have it before. We say we'll be doers of the Word. We'll be careful to, to not just hear, but to do. And Father, we, we thank You that as we study this subject, victory over the flesh, thank You that this is possible because Jesus has already given us victory. And so thank You for helping us to apply it to our lives and to, and to walk in the good life You have for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, victory over the flesh, the reason we're ministering on this is because uh, you and I have a condition called flesh. Every person that has a body here on earth has flesh. I'm not just talking about a physical body because, of course, we have that, but we have also the nature of the flesh that, that's housed in that body. And you remember we talked about this, that when a person, when a Christian is born again, it's their spirit that's born again. It's their inner man that's recreated. It's an absolute miracle. But that doesn't mean that the voice of the flesh and the voice of the body just dies willingly. Right? And so there's, we've seen in the Word already that it's really a constant, uh, a constant battle in some respects. Or, or maybe, maybe we could say it this way. The flesh is constantly trying to raise itself up and to let its voice be heard. Well, the, the battle lies in not allowing that. And so there is no, there's not a person that you've ever met or ever will meet who has a once and for all victory over the flesh and never has to deal with their flesh again. Never. Never. That doesn't, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. The sin nature has been taken care of because the sin nature, when we were born again, uh, that was destroyed. That was, that was killed. And our inner man, our spirit, is no longer connected to the, to the sin of the earth. Our spirit's no longer connected to the devil. Our spirit's been connected to God. We have the life and nature of God on the inside of us. And so something on the inside of us wants to do the right thing, wants to make the right choices. But the rest of us doesn't, if it's allowed to just go its own way, doesn't want to do the right thing. We saw over in Romans chapter 8, that there's two paths and two courses that a life can take. There's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And then there's the law of sin and death. And those are two paths that are always before the believer. And how do you know what, how, how do you go down the right path? How do you know what path you're on? What you do with your mind actually casts that deciding vote. If your mind is renewed and will side in with your spirit, then you can enjoy the law of the spirit of life. The mindset on the, Spirit, the Bible says, is life and peace over in Romans chapter 8. But the mind set on the flesh is death. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. So it's, uh, does it matter whether we're walking in the flesh? Well, you look at Christians, you wouldn't think it matters because most of them do very little regarding the flesh. Right? No, it matters big time. It matters big time, and we're going to see that uh, a bit today. We began last week looking at what Galatians calls the works of the flesh. You remember that we started talking about that. Uh, what will you? What will you? Sorry, let me try and say it and pronounce the word. What will your flesh do if you allow it to do what it wants to do? Really, kind of scary, 
Because this, uh, what it said here, and we're going to read in Galatians 5, over in the 19th verse, it says, Now the works of the flesh are, are evident. Another way to say this would be, this is how the flesh manifests itself. This is what the flesh looks like. What does it look like, Paul? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Hello. And he did not say that this that uh, the works of the flesh in the criminal looks like this. He didn't say the works of the flesh in the drug dealer looks like this. These are the works of the flesh of anybody who has flesh. In other words, this is how anyone's flesh will manifest itself and express itself if you allow it to go far enough. We understand this. Most, most civilized people, most people who, who would call themselves good citizens, uh, you know, they don't let, you know, because you can curb the flesh to a degree, even not being born again. And so most people aren't, uh, aren't child molesters and things like that, right? And we understand that. But the fact, the fact remains that no matter who you are, saved or unsaved, your flesh, if you let it, will go down a path and the flesh is never satisfied, you understand. So what it takes to satisfy it today, it's going to take more to satisfy it tomorrow if you let it do anything it wants to do. That's why when you, in parenting, you cannot just let kids or grandkids or whoever you're with, you cannot just let them do whatever they want. They are not old enough and developed enough to discipline their own flesh the parents have to give them boundaries and discipline their flesh for them. And so the parent that says, well, honey, you just do whatever feels right, which is how the world teaches parents to do it. That's just the psychology of the world, you understand, what they promote in schools. You know, if you, honey, if you, feel like, uh, if you feel like you're a little girl tomorrow, then go dress like a girl and use the girls here. We'll give you some, these are your girl drawers in the dresser, and these are your little boy clothes in the dresser, and you just pick whatever you want for the day, and, and you go to school, and whichever gender you feel like, that's the bathroom you use. Well, see, that's, that is normal practice in elementary schools, at least in some of the states in our country right now. Amen. Trying to get it here where we live. Whatever you feel like, that's the bathroom you use. I, I, I tell you, if, if we would have loved that rule when I was in high school. Get to go in the girls' room? Not to dress like one, to look at them. Well, see, that's all that is, is that's, that's a parent doing the opposite of what they should be doing. They should say, no, Jimmy, your name's Jimmy, not Janie. You got boy equipment. You're a boy. This, this is your boundaries. You stay in these boundaries and you stop going that You stop going that way. No, you're not a girl. If you were a girl, God would have made you a girl. Well, I know there's not a lot of people here tonight, but if there was, they'd probably leave anyhow. Talking like this, they'd probably leave anyhow. You can't, I mean, this is hate speech. This is hate speech, although there's no hatred on my part. There's no hatred in the anointing behind it. There's no hatred in the word. It's actually love talk. It'll help you. Kids need that. They need the discipline. They need the boundaries. And they need somebody to, to, to understand this is what your flesh does. We're going to, we're going to crucify it. We're, we're, we're going to work on keeping this thing down. And that's why you don't let a kid on Sunday morning, honey, you feel like going to church because that's just a personal decision. Hell no, it's not. a Heck no. What, I don't know what I'm allowed to say in this church. No, it's not a personal decision. Not when you're young. Not when you're young. That decision is made for you. And yes, you must personally receive Christ. We understand that. But it's not know you whatever you feel like. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, let me give you something else to feel that will help direct you in the right direction. You know, it's amazing how <laughs> one feeling can make you forget about another feeling. You've heard the you've heard the doctor uh, the story about the doctor uh, when they came and said, well, you know, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor said, well, don't do this. 
But then the other one uh, came and said, well, uh, this, this finger hurts. He says, I can take care of that. Takes another finger and a hammer and gets the other one throbbing. Well, you forget about the first one when the other one's hurting. It is one way. Well, so we talked about ways that the flesh will express itself. It's important to preach on this. Amen. And it's important to understand this. And like we often say, it's not stuff that makes you want to go woo run around the room. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like having disciplined flesh. There's nothing like having crucified flesh. Amen. Amen. It, it, it is just uh, it, it's a wonderful blessing to not be ruled by something that you can't control. Yes. Matter of fact, somebody said the word freedom when the first verse of this chapter, it says for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Well, he goes on talking about uh, some different things. But then in verse 13, he says again, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So Christians have a goofy idea of what freedom is. They think freedom is, a, you know, and that this is what we're dealing with with the with the grace message that's uh, off kilter. And they think, well, we're under grace. That means I have no boundaries. No, it doesn't mean you have no boundaries. It means you have real freedom if you stay within God's boundaries. <laughs> it's God's ability to enjoy a level of freedom you've never enjoyed, but it does not mean you yield to the flesh. That's all. That's all the uh, my one friend calls it greasy grace. Other people call it goofy grace. Very, very prevalent still, which is hard to believe because there's never been anything sound about it for several years. I never thought it would hang around this long, but it uh, goes to show you I'm still learning. <laughs> and of course, you might not have heard it. I really haven't heard much of the goofiness because I don't listen. I listen to people that are sound, you know, and so so do you. But yet it's very much out there. And I mean, to the to the degree that uh, we told you about the one church where we got invited to here in town, where the whole thing on the website says, uh, come to our church and bring a bottle of wine to share after the service. Well, you got freedom. You're missing out. Well, you don't understand what freedom is. I mean, I know a lot of people that would go to that church. Free booze? Are you kidding me? If everybody brings a whole bottle of wine to share, and then they wipe them all out, then you're going to have to, I mean, you're going to have to have a designated driver ministry team in the church to get people home. And you can say, I'm in the ministry of helps. What's your ministry of helps? I'm a designated driver at church. Well, there is such a thing uh, for the right kind of drunk in church, but not that kind. We looked last time at the first two. It's interesting that the first two things Paul talks about, sexual immorality, and we talked about that, that any sex outside of the boundaries of marriage is sexual immorality. However, not all sex within a marriage is wholesome the way some people practice some things. And that would fall under the next work of the flesh that I talked about was impurity. There, uh, there, there's some things that people do and we, you know, I don't like getting graphic any more than you like hearing it. So, you know, we, but there's just things that people do that there, there's some, there's, uh, I had to learn these things because I thought, well, if you're married, it's all good. Whether, whether the spouse likes, you know, and what it was, was I was trying to bring my perversions from my youth thinking, well, now I'm married and everything, everything that I ever fantasized about before, <laughs> you know, other people might listen to this tape besides you. So just hang on and look at it. You know what I mean? Every time, everything I ever th dreamed about doing, and when you're lost in a pervert like I was, you can dream about a lot, think about a lot. And I thought, well, everything's right and everything's good. No, there's wholesome, godly relationships that a husband and wife can have. Anything between people, whether whether it's uh, whether it's wholesome, quote unquote, or not. If you're not married, it's wrong. If you're not married, it's out of order in a huge way, in a huge way. And Christians have the idea, somehow or another, have the idea that, that it is okay in a measure to sleep with somebody before you're married. 
because it's so common in society and in the world. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's sin. It's sin. And sin leads to death. The wages of sin are death. Well, stop beating us down, Brother Joel. We're not beating you down. We're giving. We're helping you to overcome. We're helping you to walk in victory. And it's good preaching if I am doing it myself. If these things didn't need to be proclaimed, I'm telling you, there is passage after passage. Almost every book that Paul writes. Because there's the thought out there in the church world that, well, you know what? Listen, don't deal with all that stuff. Just preach a positive message. Well, Paul missed it then. Paul missed the flow of this era. Because Paul talked all over about living right. And that, and not that it's a suggestion. It's essential. Can you take these things too far and make them legalistic? Yes, you can preach the letter without the spirit. But you can tell that there's a spirit about this that's liberating and freeing. So no, no sexual immorality, of course. No impurity. Well, you know, the, the, the more I grow in the things of God, just that word, uh, remember in Philippians 4, verse, I believe it's verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are just. And then the next one is whatever things are pure. Don't you like pure? I mean, look, just say that word and look down on the inside of you. Pure. Pure. There's some. There's something just so godly about it. Purity. Holiness. We used to have a, a little tract that I don't remember. You might remember where we got it. I don't remember where we got it. But it's, it said, the Mary-like standards for modesty in dress. You remember that? And we would laugh about it. Because it was obviously so, it's like, okay, try and use that today. You know, to, it was, from, it was from the Catholic Church, you know, uh, I believe. Uh, you know, the Mary-like standards. Like we know how she dressed. I don't know. I don't, we, you know, she probably wore what most Middle Eastern ladies wear, which was modest, for sure. I mean, you got to keep the dust storms out and everything like that. And so there was this, it, but my point is that gives you this idea of holiness, like, oh my Lord, it's so stiff. It's so out of touch. Modesty, oh my Lord, that's just so 1930s. But, but you know, the Bible talks about modest apparel. It doesn't mean ugly. It doesn't have to be ugly. <laughs> it can be gorgeous. Amen. How'd you get off on that? I, I don't know. Glory. So we're going, to, we're going to keep talking about some of these works of the flesh, as exciting as they are. Because people have this idea that if they don't smoke, that they somehow have victory over the flesh. You know what I mean? That, like in their, their mind, well, okay, if I don't smoke, I've got, I have perpetual victory. And we're going to see that there's a little more to it. I've met some people who I wish would smoke. <laughs> because... With all the other flesh they got going on, it seems like that might calm them down or something like that. <laughs> you understand how I'm saying that? And, well, we, maybe we'll say it. Maybe we'll say it this way: We have uh, one one particular relative that had, in earlier years, come to visit, and would would bring uh, when they come to the house, they bring booze to the house. And you know, we're a Christian home; we don't have that. Old school Christian home. Whatever you want to go. No. Right school Christian home. We don't have a refrigerator full of booze or, a, uh, you know, that's why we like the house that we just had. That it was for a house of that level, which we're really uh, pleased, thrilled with God got us. But most of them would have a wine room. And we don't have, uh, you know, with all, the, with all the bottles in it. Well, we wouldn't know what to put in there. You know, drumsticks. I don't know what you <laughs> find something to put in there. Uh, yeah, I, I was at uh, I was at somebody's house who had a wine room in there, and I think they had shoes. They fit. They, they managed to fit some shoes in there, in their wine room. Praise the Lord! What were we talking? Oh, so anyhow, but this relative brought would bring some some booze for their stay. And I told my wife, you know what? 
they're so much more easy. To, they're so much easier to get along with it than without it. Fine, because it kept other works of the flesh. Yeah, it kept some other things out. I'm not advocating that. This person wasn't a believer anyhow. And if that's what it takes for them to be sweet, then fine. You know, I mean, we would have drawn the line at smoking in the house, but but anyhow, praise the Lord. So what's the next what's the next one in the list, everybody? Sensuality. In, in the Greek, it means this lusty, shamelessness, excess, lusty. Now, these are, these are the works of the flesh. Do we see this in the world today? Sensuality. Exuding sexuality. Now, the reason we want to preach on this is that you see it in the church. And you hear it in the church. You hear, you hear people talk about, well, this one is hot. So-and-so is so hot. You might say you should turn the air conditioning on. If they're, no, that's not, they're not talking about that. They're talking about they have a hot body. Do we understand that that's not a term from the scriptures? That's a term from the world. That's sensuality. Or they even sometimes use, you know, what they mean is sexy. Right? And they see nothing wrong with it. But do we understand that God's not in that? God's not in that. The works of the flesh, God's not in it. And if He's not in it, do we want it? I mean, my wife, to me, is hot. But but to me only. We don't go she doesn't go around trying to exude sexuality and but you see it all the time in the church. There's a it's it's like a spirit. <laughs> and I don't mean to open a can of worms by using that term, but but there's but you see it in people like they have they have an aura about them that it, see they've learned this. They've learned this. Christians are not to dress like the world, right? We don't get we don't get little uh, tattoos on our backside, going like the little V, to show people. Well, nobody will see it until I undress. You ain't supposed to be undressing for other people. Why would you get a tattoo on your rear end? You can't see it. Well, here's a thought. Why would you get one anywhere? Check, one, two. Why would you get one anywhere? God didn't make you with it. Flesh, everybody say flesh. All it is is an expression of the flesh. You can get mad, look down, walk out, do whatever you want to do, but it's still the truth. We don't unbutton half the buttons on our shirt or our blouse. And I understand, I understand the ladies here tonight that you don't do that. But you, you're not the only ones that hear this now. I have a tremendous following, you understand. I go on the road and I bring these. The young people buy them all. And we, we want to teach them that the buttons are there to be used. Close on, hands off. Remember that from last week? Say it with me now. Close on, hands off. So if somebody gets this, these messages and doesn't listen to the, the one from last week, we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, we don't wear clothes that are so tight that nothing's left to the imagination. Well, people might say, well, that's just my style. And that's just your flesh. Un understand what it is. It's your flesh. It's nice when you can wear form-fitting or, you know, well, let me say it this way. It's nice when you don't have to wear a Mother Hubbard outfit because, or, or have your pants 15 sizes larger than your coat. You know what I mean? It's nice when you keep yourself in condition. That's what I'm trying to say, that you could wear clothes that fit as opposed to whatever. Oh, Jesus. 
But you don't let your flesh call the shots. You don't let your, if you let your flesh express itself in these ways, your flesh will be your master. The next, the next one in this list is idolatry. Idolatry. Now you might say, well, we don't have any statues in my home. Oh, I mean, there's a whole lot more to it than that. Idolatry is giving other things or other people the place that God should have. Now, how many know this? You can go shopping and God can be in that shopping trip. And God can help you in that shopping trip. You know, you can also go to go shopping and it's a work of the flesh. Important to distinct, to understand and know how to be able to distinguish. Is God in it? If you listen, if you learn to listen to your spirit, if you learn to develop your, your spirit, you'll know when it's good and okay to go shopping. You might say, well, when I have the money, it's okay. Says who? Having the money is no reason to buy anything. Being led is the reason to buy what you want to buy. We've learned over the years to follow God on the timing on things. And I'm not saying we haven't missed it. We have missed it sometimes. But I'd say uh, for the last, as long as I can remember, very rarely do we miss it. There's one thing I, I know I missed it on back in probably 2010. I bought a lawn tractor that I had to have because I was sure we were going to be at the place we were at forever. And uh, I thought I had the money. And so I charged it on my credit card to get the points. And somehow I didn't get the money I thought I would have. You know, I'm still, I'm sorry to say it. And, and you know, I'm, my faith's on it to pay that thing off. But I still, <laughs> I, I, now I sold the lawn tractor years ago because I moved. And I was just premature about it. I just wasn't right about it. And I, I knew it right after I did it, but I reasoned it out. And I said, you know, gosh, I, I've been looking at these for so long. Well, what's that? can be idolatry. <laughs> I got one in me. I actually had one in the garage. It wasn't mine. It was borrowed. But the person didn't necessarily ask for it back, didn't necessarily need it back. They were cool with me borrowing it. But I had to have a new one. Bright, shiny, with a hydrostatic transmission. And you know, there, there, is there anything wrong with the lawn tractor? No, there's not. And if you need one, would God help you get one? Yeah, and you know, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that, that he had helped me find the right one. But I'm also convinced that I jumped in on the timing. And maybe if I listened to him and knew that we were going to be leaving in about a year and a half, had to sell it, take a huge hit, of course, on what I paid for it, and then still couldn't take the cash from it and pay it off. Because I had to move it. Oh, anyhow. So, you know, but praise the Lord, there's other things that we bought. That we, I mean, many other things that are that cost more than that. That we know God was in it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sports and hobbies. That, that those can be things that God is in. It can also be a work of the flesh, and it can be idolatry. I know in my case, I've had to be very careful. There are a few sports that I enjoy, not playing so much, watching. Um, football is my favorite. And, and, you know, I got to where um, I just realized one day, this was back in New York when I lived there, and we lived in a small football market for professional football. And I realized that if you had told me any number of the jersey of any player on the entire team, I could tell you who that player was. Well, see, that's for me. Now, I'm not saying for everybody. That might be okay for some people. For me, that's being too invested. For me to be that intimate with it, that I know every single player by his number. Too much for me. Because that then it becomes it becomes something that pulls on me and I'm not as sharp spiritually. Now I'm talking about for me. I knew some of the numbers, you know, just in the course of a season when I come home from church, it's usually okay for me to watch a game. Now most of the time I don't watch a whole one. What am I talking about? There's a line between something that's good, clean, recreation, God's even in it, help you relax, and then getting over to where it's pulling on your flesh and it's moving over into idolatry. Caring too much about it. A football game is like three, three and a half hours long. 
do you give God that much time? And so usually I'll watch a, a quarter or a half if it's a real good game, you know. Maybe a couple times during the season we'll watch the whole one. And I could tell you some of the numbers of some of the main players, but no, I, I don't know them all now. And I knew where most of them lived before. <laughs> Too much. How about following pop stars? How about following movie stars? You get into that, just uh, you don't have to go too far down the line. It gets into idolatry. Praise the Lord. What is idolatry? It's a work of the flesh. It's allowing the flesh to have its expression. And God is not in the works of the flesh. Well, could we go on to the next one? The next one. And, I, you know, we spent more time on some of those first couple than we'll spend on most of these rest, the rest of these. The next one is sorcery. It's a really interesting uh, word because in the Greek it's the word pharmakeia, where we get the word pharmacy from. And really it's speaking about drug use. Drug use. You know, there's an element, I suppose, of sorcery in witchcraft that has to do with potions and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't follow those, uh, those works, right? But why do people use drugs? Because they didn't crucify the flesh. Addictions start out as works of the flesh. Now, now folk, folks want to argue about smoking marijuana. And some people will contend, hey, that, that is a natural enhancement. I mean, it grows out of the ground. It's a weed. It's a weed. We pull the weeds in our garden. We don't smoke the weeds in our garden. We pull them out and we throw them out. We don't roll them up and smoke them. We don't dry them out, roll them up and smoke them. Learn what to do with weeds. God did not create weeds. Weeds are a product of the curse that's on the earth. Read what the Bible says about how the ground would perform after the curse. <laughs> right? Adam no longer had to just speak to the ground for it to produce. The Lord said, by the sweat of your brow. Well, what's so sweaty? Just planting the seeds and letting them go? No, 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 no. Pulling the stupid cursed weeds out. Hmm? Now, what you're going to see now, because, because marijuana is becoming commonplace and accepted in society, you're going to see it all in the church. More so. And you're going to see people justifying it at church and you're going to see people in their small groups after their Bible studies getting high together because they drank together after their Bible studies so instead of the Bible and booze it's going to be the Bible and bongs it sounds crazy and it's in churches that call themselves the, the move of God for today this is what God's doing today. We've been freed from all the bondage of the legalism of yesterday. No, 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 no. You've got to understand what freedom is. Freedom comes not when you yield to the flesh. Freedom comes when you have victory over the flesh. I told you about the word on tap. Did I tell you about the word on tap? The Bible study that meets in the bars? It's here in town. It's a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening there's this one bar that lets the, this uh, ministry or church, whatever, have its service there on Sunday afternoon. They call it the Word on Tap. Come in, get a beer, and get your Bible, and we're going to have a Bible study. It's the Word on Tap. Glory to God. So what do you think, uh, how, what kind of shapes in the church, the church in today, my Lord? I tell you, we need to believe God to raise up some voices for righteousness, for rightness. Amen. Yeah. And when he and he is and he will. Praise the Lord. And uh, it can be somebody else, but I'll volunteer to at least be a voice. You know what I mean? So the real, Christ, the real Christian does not partake of things that cater to the flesh. So no sorcery, okay? No pharmakia. It's what it means. If, the Greek word is pharmacy. It means drug use. It's a work of the 
flesh. Interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you've known people whose lives were messed up and ruined by drugs. I've known some people. Not a happy, not a happy story. But there's freedom from it. Amen. He wouldn't tell us to crucify the flesh if we couldn't crucify it. The next one is enmity. Enmity. That's not a word we use. Um, kind of a King James word, but it's in the ESV, which we preach out of a lot. It means hostility. It means hatred. Um, Paul's writing to Christians. The letter to Galatians. You didn't know it was written to the churches in the region of Galatia. There was about four churches in this region. Lystra, Derby, Antioch, and uh, the other. Lydia, I don't know. Forget it. But anyhow, he's te- do you have to tell Christians not to walk in hostility and hatred? What is hostility? What, I mean, what is hostility? It's not that you just have a bad attitude, right? Hostility is just flat. I mean... That's a that's crazy. Well, for instance, here here's an example. Uh, when people have racial hatred, that's scary. You know why it's so scary? Because there's no good reason for it, so it's hard to avoid it. Somebody might just lynch you just because for no good reason. That can be a little scary. I, I mean, I get it. Should you find that among Christians? Do you find it among Christians? Ah, we have traveled in some places right here in our beloved country in times past where we have where we were like I thought the civil rights movement was many many decades ago. What it didn't hit it didn't come through this road, right? I, I mean I've been on the bus as we rolled into town and people people shouting the n-word saying ain't no ends welcome on this hill get out of here get out of town because we had because we had a, a black sister with us amen christians well they didn't read this did they they didn't read this and what's their problem flesh you got flesh deal with it they just didn't deal with it the next one is, so enmity. That's hostility and hatred. Crazy that you'd ever have to write to Christians and tell them. Stay away from that. The next one is strife. Oh boy, could we ever preach on strife? Um, you know, the Greek word has this meaning. Debate. Debate. I'm not talking about debate team. I'm talking about a, life, a lifestyle of you always have to take the opposite side. You're a strifer. Whatever whatever is said. Well, I, we were in a particular store today. We were in a uh, store that sells eyeglasses. And I was in this store talking to a lady. And this man came in. And he was one of those guys that whoever's in the store is his audience. You know what I mean? He'll just talk like if, he, if the conversation is between them. But he'll make eye contact with everybody so that everybody hears about his day. You know? And he said, well, I've been coaching... My glasses aren't fitting right. He goes, she said, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I've been coaching these kids' sports. And I said, I'll tell you, these parents you have to deal with, if you tell them the sun rises in the east, they'll say it's west. <laughs> and I thought for a second, and I realized, no, east, the sun does rise in the east. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Since I was young, anyhow. Right? But what's he saying? He's saying that he's around stri- these parents that he's dealing with, they're strifers. And they're going to find something to get on the other side. And if it's something as crazy as, no, the sun rises in the east or in the west, rather. (laughs) When it rises in the east, they'll take that side just to take that side. That's strife. That is a work of the flesh. Amen. And even if it's just normal tones rather than screaming, some people just love to get on the other side. You're never going to say something and just be right without these people chiming in and telling you why you're not right. Strife. Well, you know. 
Isn't it interesting that that is in the same list as sexual perversion? It's the same flesh. The same flesh. And we think people will sit around and condemn pervert, but yield to the strife and be a debater about everything and completely miss what's going on here. You're doing the same thing. They just got to a different level than you. The same thing. If we don't crucify the flesh, it's going to end up messing us up. Amen. Do you have to be right all the time? That's strife. That's other things too, but that's strife. Having to be right all the time and letting people know it. Strifer. It's a work of the flesh. So what do we want to do? Nail it down. Nail it down. The next one is jealousy. Jealousy means this, excitement of the mind. You get all stirred up in your mind. Jealousy. And it's also, the, in the Greek, it means zeal. And you know, that can be directed in a positive way, but you understand that there certainly is a negative way, uh, connotation for jealousy, right? Zeal is good, but not when it proceeds from the flesh. What does the next one say? Fits of rage or fits of anger. What's that look like? What's a fit of rage look like? Again, again, who's, who's being written to here? The believers. Believers in the church, if I might say that. Church going, church going Christians. It's hard to believe, you know, but there, because for us, and I'm sure for you, it's been so long since we've lived in this world. It's hard to believe that there are people who will just regularly tear up the house. You know what I mean? Throw things, kick holes in the wall, punch things, break things on purpose. Fits of rage. It starts as a work of the flesh. It's just, it's uncrucified flesh. Now, I found this next one to be extremely interesting. Aren't you glad I'm going through this so quickly? Yeah, yeah I am. This next one, rivalries. Rivalries. And again, in most of these, if you look in the Greek, you, you get you get light into what it really means. It means partisanship. And it has this meaning, putting oneself forward for an elected office. Putting oneself forward for an elected campaigning. We've all suspected it, but now we know. The political process that you and I watch unfold all the time with the commercials that say, Jonathan Tate is a bracket and his voting record, and he's worked for, there's one on right now, I don't even know what, I don't even didn't think it was election season, but this one's on TV right now. So-and-so has tried to outlaw uh, common forms of contraception for 15 years. I'm so sure that really, that's been their life crusade. We've got to get rid. That is a work, the, the whole process, because do you ever watch it and it sickens you? It's because it's a work of the flesh. That way, the way that it's done, it's of the flesh. Rivalries is how it's translated. Praise the Lord. Don't look at me that way. I'm right. I, I, all, I'm, all, all I'm really doing is just going into the, what, it, what these words really mean. But it helps you see it because it's, if it's of the flesh, it's not of God. Amen. Dissensions. Dissensions means disunion. Withdrawing from the group. Hmm? Leaving that to which you've been joined. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> when someone refuses to get involved in their local church, they'll attend, but they won't take that next step of getting involved. Dissension. No, I don't want to be. No, I'm a loner. I know I'm my own man. 
again, the, the longer, the more I grow in the things of God, the more I see it's two. It's never just about one. It's about all of us together. We need us all. We need to all work together. You know the, the world, the way the world, uh, the way their their thinking is, and stuff like that. They feel like, well, if I if I am able to get to this car, this level of vehicle, I don't know what that vehicle is. Uh, uh, you know, maybe for a lot of people, it's a BMW. I like a BMW. I've always wanted one. I've never had one yet, but I'm not bothered by it. Not, you know, we we see we have this saying in our house: "I like what God likes." And I'm so I'm so tickled and pleased with my pickup truck. I've had it for many several years now, but I'm just so pleased. I've I told him I'll drive this thing till uh, I'm done or it's done. One, I enjoy it. Don't even have a lot of miles on it because I haven't been around to drive it for a while, you know, as much. But uh, anyhow, there's people that think, well, if you get to this level, then then you can pull back from the common people. You can pull back, and you're now you're elite. You don't have to participate in anything. And you know, uh, or they think, well, if you live in a certain community or certain house, that that you know, you've you've achieved a status. To where you don't have to participate, you don't have to get involved, and that's for that's for the other people. We see it at the kids' school. There's, you know, they're in the they're in the band program. It requires a ton of volunteer help to move that thing and get that thing happening. And we're some of the biggest volunteers during the marching season in it. I mean, there's other people that actually do more than us, but uh, but I mean, we do our part. That's that's our thing. We want we want to do our part, no matter where I live. No matter what I drive, the ground we had. We used to have a saying back when I first started in ministry. Uh, one of the, you know, I was on the road. I was on stage in front of a lot of people. I had, I could have had any thirteen-year-old girl I wanted. I mean, <laughs> you know, we were on stage, and all the little girls in the churches thought that you were rock stars and stuff like that. That's all I'm saying. And when I say had her, I mean, I mean to give an, give her an autograph. That's what I mean by have her. I didn't mean anything crazy by it. Uh, <laughs> and in other words, you're their hero. But what they don't see is after you get off stage, you're out behind the church loading the 18-wheeler every single night. Loading the entire thing. 40-foot truck. That takes some work. So you get, we, And they didn't see that we were there hours ahead of time setting up, unloading the truck, getting sweaty, Getting cleaned up, eating dinner, getting your suit, going to the prayer, preparing yourself spiritually, going on stage, ministering, getting changed, packing up the stage, packing up the truck, loading it up, and sometimes driving it all night. But we had a saying because it, it looked like such a glamour job for the for the hour and a half that we were on stage. It looked so glamorous and so cool. Yeah, everything about it. But our saying was this: the grounds level at two places, the cross. And the loading and the loading rack. You know what I mean? The grounds level at the cross. I mean, I don't care how much money you have, you got to get down at the cross. Just like the homeless guy has to get down at the cross. And and when you when we started out in ministry, that was a good saying because it taught me there ain't nobody too big to load the truck. Ain't nobody too big to push to push. It wasn't a, it wasn't an automatic lift. You had to you had to push the wheels up the truck. And nobody's too big for it. And that mentality, man, that stayed with me for all these years to where, I, you know, hey, it takes a bunch of people to, to load the equipment for the marching band. Well, that's us. That's, hey, we know how to, I know how to do that. I know how to load a truck. They don't, but I do. I told Amy sometimes, oh my goodness. I, I, first of all, too many cooks in the kitchen. You know what that'll do. So I say, I mean, I stay in the back and I'm just waiting. But I'm thinking it's taken them sometimes an hour and 15 minutes to load a truck half the size of the ones we used to do in 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, guys, it's the same stinking equipment every week. It should go in the same way every time. By the second or third time, we should have an idea of how to line the stuff up. 
and we should, everybody should have, there's enough parents to where everybody should just get behind one of the pieces of equipment. And when they call for it, you roll it up and it should go in the same way. Every, the truck actually doesn't expand and contract. It's the same size every time. The equipment's the same size every time. But you think for the, for the course of the entire season, you think it ever got loaded the same way twice? No. No, couldn't do it. Could not figure out how to do it the same way. And so, I mean, I, oh my goodness. It was rough on me. I'm saying, and, and then you have the guy saying, now this, this is musical equipment. This is how, you, and I'm thinking, I wanted to say, you know where I've been. You know what I've done. You know how many stages I've been on. You know how many, you know, you want to know the list of who I played for? <laughs> Can I just zip it? I zip it and I say, yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. We, we treat, he, he said, you, you treat this marimba right. And I'm thinking, yeah. Well, we'll treat it right. We'll treat it right. <laughs> and so the one thing I do see now, I'm not a, I'm not a first-year band parent. We'll be a third-year this parent. So now what I do is I educate them that all the mallet instruments aren't all marimbas. They, they actually all have different names. There's the xylophone. There's the vibraphone. There is the marimba. There's the, there's the chimes. Okay, so they call them all marimbas. Praise the Lord. What work of the flesh were we on? Praise the Lord. Dissension. When someone won't won't get involved, it's a work of the flesh. We crew. Here's my point, and I hope this isn't just too painful to be going through all this. We had to crucify our flesh to get involved with a marching band because, in our mind, it wasn't right that we act like some sort of elite. Well, we're elite. I'm a minister. I, I, I travel to the, to the body of Christ. Well, praise the Lord. Who's ever going to know it if you can't get out there and push something with somebody else? The ground's level, so we we're not we won't be stuck up. We're not dissenters. Yes, we're elite in Christ. I'm convinced of this. The minister, the, the 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 gifts and anointings that we have are elite. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that we can just yield to the flesh by saying, you know what, let somebody else do, let just somebody else do it, and we'll just show up and sneak in the gate and not pay and dress like dress like one of the workers and just show up and sneak into the football games and rah 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 rah. Hello. Sorry if I'm giving you too much of a window into our world here. Marching season's still many months away, actually, two or three. Two or three. Manifestations of the flesh. When someone leaves the church wrongly, you know what it is? It's dissension. It's a work of the flesh. Most people do leave wrong. Very few. We've had some that left right. And not a lot. It seems like the vast majority leave wrong to a degree. Amen. There's some that we're about to leave wrong that we've tried to make it. We've turned it into... A right departure. <laughs> we sometimes, sometimes you even just put a good spin on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Make it positive. Make it look good for their sake, because they might be too caught up in all what's going on to to know. So you're leaving. You're wrong to leave. But let's here. Let's just do the Just do this, and we'll make you okay. And we'll, we'll go down the road. Praise the Lord. Well, there's only a couple more of these divisions. Divisions is the Greek word heresy. Very interesting. Heresy. You know what heresy is? It's choosing something that's wrong. Going the wrong side. Divisions means choosing sides. Choosing to go a different direction. Choosing to go a different direction. When believers leave a word and spirit church to join a flesh church, this is they've chosen divisions. That's the work of the flesh. Divisions. And it's in the same list, once again, as something like having a homosexual encounter. People would never put those in the same category. So ordinarily, would they? But it's in the same list. There's so much we want to say on this subject, um, more along the lines of overcoming and walking into victory. But we've taken a little time here and if you'll allow me, there's just maybe two or three more things, and they're not, none of them will take too long. Is that okay? Envyings. 
That's similar to jealousy, but where jealousy, where, where there's such a thing as godly jealousy that can be directed in a positive direction, envying is never positive. It's this, pain felt at the sight of excellence or happiness. Did you hear that? Pain felt at the sight of excellence or happiness. Well, who would feel the pain? The person that doesn't have. Envyings. Here again, I have to ask, would you find envyings in the church? The more blessed we have been, the less it seems we can tell it. You want to be able to stand up and share, this is what God has done for us, and this is how He did it, and this is how we learned to cooperate with Him. And if you'll do this, then you can, you can enjoy the blessing of the Lord and come up and increase, you know. But so much of the time, you can't even get the utterance to, to go down that road because if somebody finds out even just one thing, then they never get past the, the, the envying start. They have pain at the sight of happiness or excellence or promotion. One preacher was talking one time, I don't even remember who it was, or I quote him, give him, give him credit, but they were, uh, I think I do remember, but I'm not sure. They were talking about how uh, some church members left over the fact that the preacher got a house or got, uh, got a car or something. The preacher got something and people left, and, and I think it was a house, and the preacher said they weren't mad really at my house. They were mad at their house. Well, we've, I mean, we've had that ever since one of the first places we got. We had people who got mad at their house because we got our house. And ours might have been nicer, really. It might just have been fixed up nicer. I don't know. But they had to, they had to leave because of our house. We had one person left over two of our houses. The first time we talked to them coming back. But then we got another house. Second time we said, uh, they hadn't learned anything between houses. <laughs> Seriously, what can you do with that? How can you prevent it? All along, teach truth. All along, teach, teach, teach on, you know, how to have God's best. All along, all along, as you're receiving the offering, hold your tithe up too. Let them know that you're not, that you're not taking from them and asking them to do something you're not doing beyond that if people want to yield to envyings if people want to have pain it, you're just going to have to let them have the pain I guess here's the thing I can't crucify somebody else's flesh for them you get put in jail for doing that you got to crucify your own flesh you know what I mean by that you get in trouble for crucifying the other person's flesh. Hallelujah. Well, none of this are none of us are above envyings, are there? Are we? How about when somebody else gets a job at a salary higher than what you have, and you've been at it for years? Don't tell me the thought doesn't come. Don't tell me that there's not the pain that comes at the sight of their excellence, at the sight of their happiness. Well, what do you have to do? You gotta nail that. You gotta nail it. Just not listen, there's nothing wrong with really that doesn't mean you're a lousy Christian if the flesh starts to come up. No, what you need to do is just have the hammer and nails ready. Boom, 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 boom. Well, can we can we put it, can we take it out of your life and put it into my life? How about when you how about when you have a church and you're faithful the best you know how to be faithful and you preach a balanced message not just what will itch the ears and then the other church opens up after you and preaches something that just makes the flesh feel real good and you hear we had 500 people on Easter and you and you ought to be excited that they had 500 people on Easter. 
But instead, you're thinking, I hope they go out of business. Because we've been... Because <laughs> they came up with a formula. You know, they bought into the formula that's out there. The, the, the flesh church. I call it the flesh church formula. Because it, it, keeps, it keeps people in a babyhood state. Doesn't require anything. Doesn't require any growth. And so, you know, you ought to be happy that they're at least preaching the same gospel and on the same side. But no, no, I'm thinking... I'm thinking... Uh, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, the thoughts come. Maybe that preacher will... I don't know. Maybe that preacher will fall morally or something like that. And then we'll get his people... No, let's see, that's not even sound thinking. They, they would never... And listen, these thoughts come. I don't care how long, I don't care how sanctified you are, how long you've been in ministry. Back when we were, back when we were in New York, I heard about a, a, a neighboring church, very large church, that was going through a split. And my first thought was, good, we'll get the people. <laughs> and, my, and I had to say, what are you doing? Now, boom, 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 boom. We never got the people. If they had come with that situation, if we had come, we'd send them back for that. Is that what you want? Is that the people you want? A bunch of dis... Thank you, a bunch of dissenters? <laughs> no, no, we, we, we a center. Uh, we're a Christian center, but not for dissenters. No, 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 no. So, no, we don't hope... That, we don't pray that the church that had 400 visitors... Not 400 people, 400 visitors on Easter. No, we don't pray that they'll go under. If they stay flesh, they will. But that's not, see, love rejoices, does not rejoice, I'm sorry, at injustice. Love doesn't get happy at calamity. Right? It doesn't say, oh, good. Well, I've had enough of that. Can we go into drunkenness, please? You want to know what drunkenness is? Drunkenness is how the flesh deals with the rest of the works of the flesh. When you, when you walk and live in the rest of these works of the flesh and you allow the flesh to express itself in all these other ways, honey, you need something to deal with it because you are not a happy individual. Now that wasn't a Greek definition. That was my definition. Drunkenness is how the flesh deals with all the rest of... It's how the flesh copes with all the rest of what it's letting itself do. Because when people have fits of rage, they don't get happy afterwards. They're not pleased with themselves. People can get very disappointed in their own behavior. And so what they try to do is drown their problems. But you always find out that your problems can swim. All right, praise the Lord. Let's go right past drunkenness, right into orgies. Glory! Woo! Come on now. What, what did we preach on the other night? Orgies. Yeah! Orgies is not what you, in the Greek, it's not what you and I know as orgies. It really means this, late night parties. You know that? Late night parties. We, uh, we spent a year in, in Oklahoma and the kids had a youth minister who I've known for years. He was real good. And he had this saying, said, nothing good happens after midnight. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. Mardi Gras. That would be an orgy. That's what the Bible talks about. Orgy. Uh, or carnival. Carnival is the word carne, which means flesh. It's a flesh fest, is what carnival and Mardi Gras is. It's carousing. It's being out in the street. Partying. That's what we call it, partying. And what it is, is when people get together with other people and they let themselves go. It's a work of the flesh. Well, now there's actually one more that I'm just going to talk about, and it's this. Things like these. You see it? Which lets us know that this is an open list, and so you can write in your own. <laughs> there's more, right? There's gluttony. There's things like... And then if you go throughout the Bible, you'll see different things and other things highlighted. 
Gluttony. You know, if you can't control your appetite for food, you, how can you control any appetite? Praise the Lord. Well, we're going we're gonna to pick up here another time and get into maybe what I would call a more positive side of it. And it's not that we were preaching against things. I mean, of course, of course we're taking God's stand on things, right? And so, uh, but there's more, there's more we have to talk on that's going to be a little more exciting because it'll, although I was excited preaching about this. Today. I mean, the word's good. And when you talk about uh, being a dissenter in orgies, I mean, there's some, I don't know, if it's in the Bible, somehow or another I was fed tonight. I don't know about you. And so, uh, we don't want to say thank God for the works of the flesh, but thank God that we have victory over every one of the works of the flesh. We're going to learn how to crucify the flesh. Amen. And you won't have to go through life focusing on these different works and trying to nail down each one of them. No, there, there's a way to walk and there's a way to live that if you just live God's way, these things won't come up. And when they do, you have your hammer ready and... Yeah, you hammer of the word and you just boom, you nail it down and you go on and enjoy the victory of the church. But we see from reading and getting into these that this is not something that does not apply to the church. These works of the flesh from dissenting or divisions all the way to the, the perversions that we talked about, these things, every one of them, you will find in the church because everybody in the church has flesh. And when you get a lot, when you get a big group of people who are not being taught how to crucify their flesh, you, what you have in the flesh is no different than what you have in the nightclub. It's really just the same thing. And so we're going to get victory over it. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. <clears throat> I don't know how long we've been going. It seems like it's been a little while. So just lift up your hands and thank God for the word. Thank you, Father, for what we've received tonight. Thank you for the utterance. Thank you for the word of God and for the truth that sets us free. Oh, we give you praise and worship you tonight. And we thank you that good things are happening for us in Jesus' name. Amen.